Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, and I'm the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Baptist Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And uh, if you are new with us, uh, we are in the middle of a new series. It's called I Want to Believe in God, But, and uh, it's actually week two of a four-part message series. And uh, we are touching base on a belief that I have of that there are so many people that really would love to be God followers. They want to believe, and it seems like there's got to be some kind of God, but there is a ceiling or a barrier or some reason why they can't fully believe. And what I want to argue is that these people are not rejecting the true God, but there's, but there are uh, so many people that are, that are actually rejecting what I call a distorted view of God. They're rejecting their wrong view of who God is, and that's what we want to uh, really touch base on this message series. So if you were with us last week or you were able to listen in on this podcast last week, <clears throat> we talked about an on-demand God, uh, and I want to believe in God is what people say, but he doesn't do exactly what I want him to do. And we looked at the reality that on-demand God doesn't exist. Well, so let me tell you kind of where we're going to be going over the next few weeks because it, uh, this is these things are so important. I, I truly believe that. And you might want to have somebody listening on one of uh, this, either this episode or one of the next episodes or even the previous episode uh, of, of talking about these things for the next four weeks. So um, today, or actually next week, uh, we're going to be talking on one of my favorite ones, and it's called Goosebumps God. And it's where I want to believe in God but I don't feel him. And this is such a common thing. You know, people say, how do you believe in a God that you can't feel, that you don't see? Uh, I've never heard him speak. You know, they say, I want to believe in that God, but, but I don't feel him. And then our last week uh, is what I'm calling a heartless God. Uh, and this is perhaps the biggest obstacle, or at least the most common one that I've come across, where, where people say, I want to believe in God, but he just doesn't seem to care. How can you believe in a God that lets all these bad things happen? And they're all, they're, there's all these global tragedies. And besides, look at my life. Why, why would God allow these things to happen to me? I'm a good person. I want to believe in God, but I can't. But today, what I want to do is I want to talk about what I call killjoy God. Uh, it's, I want to believe in God, but there are too many rules I want to believe in God, but I don't want to be boring. I don't want to be this dud of a person. I want to enjoy my life. In fact, this, this honestly was a little bit of my view growing up. I wanted to believe in God, but there seemed to be so many do's and don'ts and, and these and thou's that I couldn't keep up with them. And as I looked at so many Christians, I just didn't like them. you know. And I hope that's okay to say, but I, I want to be real with you is that they seem to be snotty hypocritical, judgmental, holier than thou. They claimed on one thing and then they would do something else. So how could I become that? And then if I can even be more real with you guys, many of them seem just ridiculously boring. 
<laughs> in fact, if I grew up, when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, when I was a kid in high school, my view of the Christian guy uh, or the guys were this. They simply wore penny loafers and had khaki pants and braided belts and Star Wars shirts that said, may his force be with you. I just couldn't become that guy. I wanted to believe in God, but there are too many rules, too many regulations, and I just can't quite get there, you know? And some people say, I want to believe in him, but with all those rules, there doesn't seem to be any benefit anyways. My life is going fine. Why should I follow a God who tells me to do this and tells me to do that when it really gets in the way of what I want to do is what I'm doing now, you know? And I want to unpack this a little bit today because I want to talk about the good news and the bad news about Jesus and religion, okay? So we're going to start with the bad news, and what I hope is that you'll understand when I say religion— I'm not talking about Christianity, though, okay? When I use the word religion, what I'm referring to is man-made rules to try to please God. There's a difference between Christianity and just general religion. So I want to talk first about the bad news about religion, and then I want to talk about the good news about Jesus. So if you're kind of uh, taking notes, per se, or using these in your mental head or uh, (laughs) or brain or whatever you want to use, (laughs) here is the bad news about religion. Religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. It focuses on the external rather than the internal. If you've ever looked at somebody and say, hey, you're claiming one thing, but you're not living that. Well, that's kind of hypocritical, right? And this is exactly what Jesus was saying in Matthew's gospel. So let's let's turn to Matthew 23. Uh, that's where we're going to read from today, Matthew 23, and specifically 25 and 26 to start it off with. And here's what 25 says. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. In other words, you're putting on this religious show on the outside, but it doesn't match up with your heart. And he goes on and says in verse 26, he says, Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. So what does religion do? It focuses on the external rather than the internal. Here's what many people will wrongly assume, okay, wrongly assume about God. Let's take the holiness of God and say, here's holy God, and then here's unholy me. In other words, I haven't always done right, so somehow I need to be right with God. What religion will say is unholy people will try to close the gap between a holy God with outward human effort or with religious acts. We try to close the gap between our unsinfulness and God's holiness by trying harder or being better or doing religious things. And I don't know what the religious rules that you might have adopted over the years, okay? Uh, some It might be something on the lines of, you know, I've got to go to church. I always have to go to church no matter what. I've got to get some money. I've got to be nice, not to be mean, you know, or help little old ladies cross the road, okay? And there's some things that, you know, you just say you can't do, like don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't run with girls who do, you know? If I do these things and don't do the bad things, then maybe I will be right with God. It's trying to close the gap with human effort. And Jesus said, don't be like the Pharisees because that's what they're doing. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. They, they put on these, these, this big religious show. They, they'd go out on the street corners and they'd pray these long prayers, not so God would hear them, but so everyone else would think that they were holy. Why? Well, they're trying to look holy. They wore these big fancy robes and these tassels looking all religious. And then you know what they would do is they would go and take advantage of innocent widows and they would lie to people. Then they would keep all these rules on everybody else, 
You know, you've got to obey the Sabbath. You shouldn't be hanging out with that person. You shouldn't be like this. It was all about the external. So let me give you a little history lesson that will maybe help bring some understanding as to why it was this way, okay? So let's just learn a little bit. And this might be new to some of you guys out there, but if you go back to the Old Testament after Ezra and Nehemiah, here's what happened. The religious leaders looked and said God's people were breaking the law. And because they broke the law, they were in bondage. And what we're going to do is we're going to come up with some new rules to make sure everybody, or I'm sorry, nobody breaks the law. And by the law, we're speaking of is what is known as the Torah. And that means the first five books of the Bible. Okay? They said we're going to come up with some man-made laws to make it extra safe. Okay? Well, what these well-intentioned, well-intentioned leaders, religious leaders did is they came up with over 600 brand new laws. That became known as the fence laws. And these laws are going to protect the Torah. But they were so intense that there were actually 65 different laws about the Sabbath, 65 different do's and don'ts about what's going on with the Sabbath. And then when later on someone compiled all these laws into a book in the 3rd century known as the Mishnah, the book was over 800 pages long of man-made laws added to the laws of God. And this is why Jesus got very passionate. And he said this in Matthew. So we're gonna we're still in chapter 23, but we're gonna bounce back a little bit to verses three and four. Listen to what he says here. He says, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, okay? For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them, okay? So if you've ever thought, you know, I want to believe in God, but there are just too many laws or too many rules, it's too oppressive, then this is not a reflection of the heart of God. This is what people added to what God already established. It's additional works trying to close the gap, and it does not reflect the heart of God. So anytime you think, killjoy God, I I don't want that, remember, killjoy God does not exist. The laws God established are not to confine us, but to free us to have the life that he wants. So I want to share with you the good news about Jesus. Uh, It's Romans chapter 3, and uh, if you want to go and get there while I'm talking, but we're going to look at three verses, and they may seem a little bit confusing at first, but but we're going to break it down, and we're going to make it really easy to digest, and, and we're going to add a little bit of donuts on the side of it so it's really, really sweet. I wish we could really add some donuts. That would be fantastic, but unfortunately, uh, we do not do that. And I don't have them in studio either, Just, uh, but I just got thinking about donuts. It would have been really awesome. But we're going to read Romans 3, 20 through 22. All right, here's what it says. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our own sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So what is the good news about Jesus? Well, let's break it down into three simple thoughts, okay? The first one, uh, if you're taking any kind of notes, is we have to embrace the truth. We have to embrace the truth. You cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. No matter how hard you try, no matter how religious you are, no matter how many good works you do or bad works you try to avoid, you cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. Religion says your good works will please God. Scripture teaches us you cannot be good enough to please God. The rule may be go to church and don't be bad. 
Here's what scripture says, though. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. No one. It doesn't matter what kind of church you go to, how holy you act, how good a show you put on, or how hard you try. You cannot be good enough to please God by your works. You cannot please God by just doing the works of the law. It's impossible. That raises the question, why in the world would why in the world did God give us the law then? If we can't live up to it, then why did God put this in the first place? Put those laws in the there in the first place? Well, that leads us to the second thought. And so stick with me because there's a payoff, I promise. Number two is the purpose of the law is to show you your need of a savior. So why is there a law? The purpose of the law is to show you your need of a savior. Okay, so let's look at verse 20 all the way through, okay? This is what Paul said. He said, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our own sin. This is what's so important. And we need to spend a few moments here because it's more of a common belief today that people would say, you know what, I'm not a bad person. And in fact, as a pastor, if I want to make a lot of people really mad, I can say, hey, you're a sinner. And they're like, don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? I'm not a sinner. This is why the law is so important. It actually shows us that every single one of us are sinners. Well, Dan, I'm not a bad person. Well, maybe compared to somebody else, you're not a bad person. But compared to the standards of God, we all fall incredibly short. In fact, there is a guy named Ray Comfort who asks a series of questions, and he kind of does this interview thing. And, and what I want to do is adapt what he does and ask you my own version of these questions, okay? And this is something that I've done a couple times, and I will do it again because it really helps us illustrate the fact that law shows us that we are in need of a Savior, okay? So let me ask you a question, those that are listening. How many of you would have ever told a lie, Okay. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, yeah, I've lied, right? Uh, and, and so you've probably told a lie. And so you are a liar, okay? Then, then this next one might be a little embarrassing, but how many of you have ever stolen something, okay? We've all probably stolen something. And if you're saying in your head, you know what? No, I really haven't stolen something. Well, think about a time that you visit a business and you borrowed a pin borrowed a pin <laughs> and the next thing you know you have that pin or maybe you have three of those pins and you're actually using a, a, a pin that you have taken from an, another business and you're actually writing your tithe checks to your church with stolen pens okay <laughs> we've all probably have stolen something um, the next one I'm going to ask is and you can be really quick and if you're riding with your your wife or girlfriend or something um, or or vice versa uh I want you to just kind of do this quick and maybe just thinking about your head, but uh, here's my last, my last one. How many of you have ever lusted? Okay. Whatever, whatever it might be, you glance too long or whatever it might be. Well, guess what? Jesus actually said that anyone who's ever looked lustfully at someone, they've actually committed adultery in their heart. The standard of God is so much more above our standard. And he says, if you look lustfully, it's that serious of an offense to God that you've committed adultery. So based on a general show of, of what you guys have answered on your questions, okay, to all you really good people out there, what you've just told me is that most of you are either are a lying, thieving adulterer because most of you have done that. And to me, that sounds like a pretty big sinner to me, right? In fact, I would say that you're wretched, you're pathetic, you're, you're unrighteous, you're unholy, you know? So welcome to Ventured Podcast where we make you feel really good about yourselves, right? 
Now, I don't want to be harsh or, or critical or make you feel bad, but let me tell you why it's so important, okay? Because when you go through life saying, you know what, I'm not a bad person, then you don't recognize that you need the forgiveness and the goodness of God. I like to say it this way, okay? It, it, until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a Savior. And this is why we have to start here. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a Savior. This is what is the good news about the gospel, that you cannot be good enough for God. There is no person that can perform their way to God. Because all of us have sinned, and we fall well beneath the standards, and the law shows us that, shows us that right? What's the purpose of the law? Well, number one is very simple. You cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. Thought number two is the purpose of the law is to show you your need for a savior. And my thought number three is being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. The way that we're made right with God is not by religious works and not by trying harder, but it's by trusting in the perfect work of, perfect work of Jesus, okay? And that alone, this is what Paul said in verse 22. He said, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It doesn't matter how bad your past has been. It doesn't matter how bad your present is right now. When you put your faith in Christ, your sins are forgiven, and you are made completely new. That's why I'm going to tell you all day long, you do not need religion. You do not need religion, okay? You need Christ and Christ alone. Not Christ plus good works and not Christ plus religious efforts. It's Christ and Christ alone. This is why I love the power of the story of Jesus on the cross. If you're not a church person, you might not know it, but Jesus was hanging between two criminals, okay? And one of them hurled insults at him, and he said, you saved others, so, so why didn't you save yourself and save us? Well, the other criminal looked on Jesus with a broken heart, and he said, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Well, Jesus is hanging on the cross, looked at the other vile criminal and said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, well, wait a minute, Dan. To be right with God, I've got to do good, right? Well, my question would be to you is, could, could this guy do good? Not a bit, because this guy's hands were all bound to the cross, right? Well, well Dan, he's, he's going to have, a, have to turn over a new leaf, right? Well, no, the guy couldn't get down. You know, he was stuck up there. Like I said, he's bound to the cross. Well, well, well certainly he's got to go to the synagogue or, or go to church and be baptized, right? There's no way. He couldn't do it. No, it's faith in Christ alone. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise, right? That's what he said to him. Well, how does that work because we've sinned? Well, when, when God looks at us, God doesn't see our sinfulness, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees the goodness and the perfection of Jesus. That's why if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Our sins are forgiven by God, and, and God doesn't see us as these filthy sinners that we are, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. And, and this is the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is all about performance, performance, performance. Okay? Christianity is about the perfect work of Jesus. Religion is about, all, is about what I do, I do, and I do, right? Christianity is about what Jesus did, his perfect work. Religion says if I try really hard and if I obey, then maybe God will love me. Where Christianity says because God loves me and I'm accepted in Christ, I choose to obey and I want to follow his ways. Anytime someone says, I don't want to follow that God, he's a killjoy God, there's too many rules, there's too many regulations, we need to understand this, that, that religion has complicated what God made simple. It's always been simple to God. Religion adds to the simplicity of the gospel. And you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and, and what did you have? 
you had God where he created Adam, and this is good, and then God created Eve, and this is even better because Adam wasn't very good on his own. But together they were really good, and they, they were naked in this beautiful paradise, and God says, be fruitful, multiply, have fun, subdue the land, name the animals, plant crops, enjoy my gift of paradise, be blessed, eat from any tree in the garden, eat and enjoy. There's one thing, though. That tree over there is the knowledge of good and evil, and if you eat of it, it's not going to be good for you. So don't do that. If you eat of it, you will surely die. Be fruitful, though. Have fun. Multiply. Enjoy paradise. Name it giraffe, turtle, pig, monkey. You've got a lot of work to do. But there's one thing not to do. Why did God tell them not to eat of the fruit of that one tree? Why? To keep them from fun stuff? To keep them away from what was really good? No. It was to keep them from that which would steal life, to give them the freedom of blessings. So what has religion done? Religion has complicated what God made simple. In Psalm 16, David said this, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Right? I love that. I'm going to say that again. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I've got freedom on this side of the boundary line. On the other side is danger, and I thank God for the boundary lines. They are there because he loves me. I don't have to obey those boundaries or the laws to please God, but because of his grace, I choose to. It's like when my wife and I got married 26 years ago. Guess what? I promise to be faithful to her as long as we both shall live. That's the rule. That's the law. What's that for? That's kind of limiting, right? You can't be with anybody else the rest of your life. Well, that's no fun. No, what does that do? That keeps me in the blessings of a faithful marriage. That is far richer than any forbidden fruit on the other side. That's not a boundary that I want to cross for a forbidden fruit because the blessings of staying within the boundaries are so much better. Why would I do that? Because of love. Religion complicates with laws. Jesus simplifies with love. Okay, let me say that again. Religion complicates with laws and Jesus simplifies with love. See, there was one time a religious person said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What's the most important one? Because there's a lot of them. So what's the most important one? And Jesus said, above all else, the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with everything in you, your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor just as you love yourself. Well, Dan, wait a minute. What about those other 600 laws? That's a lot of them. I've got to obey them, right? What's the most important? He said, love. Religion complicates with laws. Jesus simplifies with love. Religion has always complicated what God made simple. Love God with everything in you. Well, I better obey or God's not going to love me. No, because you are clothed in Christ and already accepted it. And and because the boundary lines fall in pleasant places, I don't have to obey. I choose to obey out of an act of worship for who God is. I want to obey. I want to be faithful. I want to honor my God. Religion complicates with laws, but Jesus simplified with love. Well, I I don't want to follow God and be a stick in the bud, be boring. There's too many rules. No. Men added so much that God didn't put there. Jesus, by the grace and faith in him alone, we are declared righteous, rode with the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, I don't have to try to obey God with the religious works to close the gap. I can't even do that. I, I simply recognize I will never, ever be good enough. I am a sinner who needs a savior, and when I call on on the one who paid for it all, God hears my prayers. 
I am forgiven and I am clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Because I have been loved, I choose to follow him. My only reasonable response is to give everything to the one who gave everything to me. Religion complicates what God made simple. Religion complicates with laws, but Jesus simplifies it with love. Amen. That concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you'll be back next week as we continue our series of I Want to Believe But, and we're specifically talking about next week about Goosebump God, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. So we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.